This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? I am excellent, and I just love to dance Saturday mornings into the show. <laughs> yes. And Big welcome, um, you know, and hugs. We've got a new operator today. Yep. Duncan has, is joining us, and we'll no longer have Carlos operating, but we've got Duncan for now, followed up by Ashima, who is being trained to be our operator. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So things so continue to, to, to blossom and grow, as it were. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. And tell me, what has been going on in your garden this week? Wow, what a difference a day makes. We've had hot sun, we've had torrential rain, and it felt like the icicles were going to start forming yesterday. It was, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. it was 18 degrees, but it felt like minus 18 and with the cold wind and, you know, we're just not used to the, the cool weather. Anyway, it's all going to come back. We'll be back into some nice weather. But yes, good weather for gardening as, as things start to cool down. Um, tell you the crabgrass is running rampant in my yard. So I've got a big job ahead of me getting rid of the crabgrass before it starts flowering and sending seeds. Well, it started to flower. So getting rid of it before all the seeds are dispersed. Okay. What, okay. What exactly is gra- crabgrass by definition? Is it, it's broader, isn't it? It's a wider grass. Yeah. Well, it is just like a th- wider leaf than say your Kentucky bluegrass or your yeah. fescues. It's a different color though. It's a much lighter green uh, as opposed to the deep green of our healthy lawns. So it's a bright, almost a lime green. It grows in little clumps it is an annual plant. So your lawn is a, made out of perennial grasses that mm-hmm. are there every year or should be. Crabgrass, on the other hand, dies in the winter. So the little plants that are there might even not, not be that little. They grow flat on the ground, very what we call prostate, prostrate with uh, their flowers uh, sticking off like big spiders. And yep. of course, the seeds are forming as I'm speaking. Those um, Each plant can once those seeds are mature, each plant can eject up to 60,000 seeds before wow. it dies in the winter. That so is impressive. That's a big number. Yes, yeah, so you had one plant. Now you potentially have 60,000 next spring because those seeds will wait until next spring when the conditions are optimal for growth. That is an unbelievable number. Wow. Yeah. And so what I learned, and I, I know listeners to the show and, and you know hobby gardeners know that corn gluten is what we use in the spring. We spread it in the areas where we expect crabgrass seeds landed, you know, last fall. And in the spring, as the forsythia starts to bloom, the yellow mm-hmm. forsythia, we get our corn gluten, we get it out there, and we don't let those seeds grow. And it works. It worked really well this year. Nothing happened. It was all good. But corn gluten doesn't last forever. So six weeks later, 
the rain fell, the sun shone, the temperatures were beautiful, and those little crabgrass seeds had been just waiting, and they all started to grow then. So what I learned, and what I'll share and remind everybody next year, is we have to do corn gluten more than once. We have to do it back in forsythia time, forsythia bloom time, but we got to put it on the calendar to do it again five to six weeks later in order to try and keep those crabgrass seeds from growing. Might even have to do it three times because ultimately we want to stop those seeds from growing and setting more seeds. Gotcha. Okay. Well, speaking of impressive numbers, I have some impressive numbers to give out. How's that? We would, yes. we would love you to call with any questions that you have about gardening, whether it's inside or outside. Uh, if you live in Toronto, the number is 416-360-0740. Or if you live outside Toronto, anywhere else in the province of Ontario, this is the number you need to use because it's toll free. one 866 740 Four seven forty, and uh, yeah, let Duncan know if you are a first-time caller because I will give you your garden wings. We would love for you to call off and call early, and please, please, one question per call. Okay, so uh, Charlie, with that, we will take our first uh, pause uh, to hear some important messages, and we will be right back with much more on the Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. There truly is more going on in the garden than we realize, and that's why we have you here, Charlie. I'm happy to be here. Fabulous. Well, and we have callers on the line. We are going to go to Newmarket right now. We have Gene on the line. Welcome to The Garden Show, Gene. Good morning, you two. Charlie, a, a couple of years ago, I was given a Rose of Sharon. Very excited. The first winter, the rabbits ate it. So we put an ugly fence around it, because that's all I had. And it grew a little last year. Now, this year it's doing well, but I don't have, I have some buds, but I'm ashamed to say I didn't fertilize it. What do I know? What do I do? And when can I cut it back? Uh, okay, so if, how tall is it right now? Oh, about five feet, and I'm so proud. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's serious. And is it just like a single stem, or is it multi-stemmed, or what does it look like? Oh, that I don't know. I don't get that close with the big, ugly oh. fence around it. To keep oh. it around, I don't know. <laughs> right, big, ugly fence. So, okay, number one, you don't have to have an ugly, big fence. You do need to have a fence, by the sounds of it. Um, Because, you know, when we get the snow and then the bunnies travel on top of the snow and when they get really hungry, they will peel the bark off of trees Uh because they're just that hungry. And so um, it could be more like chicken wire. It doesn't have to be like a big orange snow fence or anything like that. It just needs to be something like a a cylinder around the, assuming that the, depending on the width of the plant, uh, it's got to protect the base of the plant. And based on the average snowfall and the height of a bunny rabbit, it needs to be that kind of height uh, for the winter. I would take, if you can take the little ugly fence down for the summer and enjoy the plant. Fertilizing, not now. Um, Hopefully when you planted it, you put it into a good quality soil and a good quality soil will sustain a Rose of Sharon as long as it's getting full sun, uh, Mm -hmm. well-drained soil, reasonably fertile. Uh, Next spring, you could consider either an all-purpose 
shrub and tree food uh, or more of a flowering plant food to feed in the spring. And if you're going to do any pruning, again, you'll do that in the spring. But just a tip, Rose of Sharon is the absolutely last plant to last shrub to put out little green buds. So we tend to think it's dead in the spring. Yeah. Everything else has got leaves and the Rose of Sharon is doing nothing. And then suddenly one day you look closely and you can see little green buds. So don't panic in the spring. Don't think it's dead. Give it time. Give it some food. Once it starts to bud and, and leaf out, then you can start pruning, taking out dead wood and shaping the plant however you want it. All right. Hmm, interesting. Now, I have a peculiar question about Rose of Sharon. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that the neighbor on one side has a Rose of Sharon, but it is in bloom now. And the neighbor mm-hmm. on the other side has a Rose of Sharon. Ditto, it's in bloom. <laughs> now, I have a second Rose of Sharon growing in my yard. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Oh, seeds, probably from your neighbors. <clears throat> they do grow from seed very, very easily. <clears throat> They have to flower first. Once they flower, seeds will set. And sometimes you plant one rose of Sharon, and before you know it, you're growing a nursery of them. There's thousands of little seedlings coming up. And sometimes the more fancy uh, double-flowered cultivars are very slow to bloom. Um, I once had a rose of Sharon. I fell in love with it. It was going to be beautiful. And it would set buds every fall, big, juicy buds. Some of them would even crack open a tiny bit so you could see a little bit of color, but they would never truly open before winter hit and then they were toasted in the in the cold. So I gave that plant many threats and many seasons and then I said, forget it, and I dug it up. But my neighbor took it because my neighbor felt sorry for it. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> it was okay. like, You're not going to flower for me. You're out of here. Out of here. Okay, thanks well, for the I call, Jean. And Thank all the you. best I with have- your uh, Rose of Sharon. Yeah. Okay. Um, we are going to go now to our next caller. We have uh, Eve. Uh, Eve's calling from Toronto, and I, yes. and I welcome you to the Garden Show, Eve. Thank you. What's, what's on your mind there, Eve? What do you want to ask Charlie about? Garlic. Uh-huh. Garlic. I love garlic. <laughs> what would you like to know? Uh, I was planting some garlic for a couple of years in different places. Uh, I cut off some of them sheaves, but... Uh, um, I don't know. I never received any garlic bulb. No bulbs. So when, like, if you, wh- hello, what, have something you got- wrong with the phone here. Hello. Okay. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. So let, I'll just ask you a question. What does your is there garlic in the ground now at your place? Uh, yes, I have some in uh, different spots here. Okay. And what does it look like? Does it have green leaves or yellow leaves? Um, they have painted kind of. I have cut, actually I have cut it all off now. Oh. Okay. So here's the scoop. Yeah. If you want to grow garlic right. to harvest, right. then you plant. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. What you're going to do is you're not going to do any cutting off of leaves. The only thing we cut off garlic when it's growing in the ground are the flowers. And the flowers are called scapes. They're like little pigtails. They're curly. Like They come up beside the leaves, but they curl like a pigtail. Those we cut off. 
back in June when we see them. Through the entire month of um, the rest of the summer, we let the leaves do their thing. If you've cut all the leaves off, I would dig up what's below because it's not growing anymore if it doesn't have leaves. I dug my garlic up about two weeks ago. And um, yeah, it's nice, big, juicy cloves. And they've been hanging to cure. And I'll be putting some aside to replant. Hello? Hello? Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, hello? Yeah. Only cut the flowers off uh, when they are um, growing, but leave the leaves. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, Uh, And uh, when is the time to harvest and when is the time to plant them? Okay, so we'll be planting any time in the next month and a half. You don't want to plant too early because the garlic will start to grow. You don't want to plant too late because the ground will be too cold. Mid-October is optimal in the southern Ontario. So mid-October, we plant garlic cloves, individual cloves, pointy end up underground, uh, about four inches or 10 centimeters below ground. Uh, mid-October. Then you leave them alone until the spring and summer, cut away the scapes or flowers and harvest usually mid to late July. All right? Okay. Yep. And uh, we can let you go, Eve, but I will mention to those of you who want to know more, I want to know everything about garlic. There's a great website. It's called, it's all one word, garlicgrowersofontario.com. So garlicgrowers.com of ontario.com has everything you've ever wanted to know about garlic okay fabulous uh gonna give those numbers out again we're about to take a break but uh yeah 416-360-0740 that's the toronto number or 1-866-740-4740 that's our toll free uh give us a call with your gardening questions we will be right back with much more on the garden show Bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, 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 we are back here on The Garden Show. And Charlie, it's hard to believe, my goodness, we are two-thirds of the way through uh, August. We're about a month away from the the start of autumn. So we're in our last month of summer. And are, are there any uh, key things that we should be doing or thinking about doing this time of year when this rolls around? Well, I mean, this is a great time of year to get busy in the garden, you know, get out and get dirty. It's not so hot anymore. You know, the soil is nice and warm, so it's an excellent time for planting. You know, per, get off to the garden center where the sales are on and mm-hmm. pick up some good deals. Fulfill your wish list, if if you can, from uh, what's going on at the garden center. Meanwhile, you digging, dividing, um, all that sort of get, you know, pulling weeds, all that sort of thing can happen easily. We've got great moisture levels in the soil and nice warm soil. So garden-wise, there's lots. None of it has to be a chore. Most of it should be fun and, well, you know, fun in the sense of, you stand back and you're proud. It looks good. You know, you've done a good job. Deadheading is ongoing. We're always taking away dead flowers from our perennials, particularly. 
you know, other plants are just going to enjoy them, let them do their thing, and then leave the flowers till next spring and make that part of the, the spring cleanup. But, um, you know, leaves haven't started falling. We're not into autumn leaf cleanup. And we no. don't even need to be doing a lot of major lawn care yet, but that will come as we get further into autumn that we'll start putting a little more effort into our lawns. Great. All sounds good to me. Yeah. Okay, let's go to uh, Peter. Peter lives in uh, just uh, uh, the sort of the northwest of Guelph in Eris. Is that right? Welcome to the Garden Show, Peter. That's right. Morning to all of you. Morning. Yeah. So I have a, about an acre and a half of a front lawn. We're in the country, and it used to be full of ash trees. Of course, you know what happened. So all the large trees got cut. The roots got dug up. We added 50 truckloads of soil. And with large farm tractors, we rolled it and leveled it and as much as we could. Now, the problem is, of course, there's still lots of ruts from those large tires from the tractor. So I rolled it with a smaller, uh, a smaller garden tractor with a smaller roller, obviously. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, the, the big ruts are still there. So my question is... Can we use a um, roller from a paver who uses that to pave the asphalt on the driveway and roll the field that way so at least it will become, you know, nice and smooth? smooth. Right now you okay. need a kidney belt when you're on your tractor. Yeah, no, I, I understand. It makes total sense to get the lawn as smooth as you can before, you know, you do any seeding or, you know, whatever you're going to do to fill. I have seeded it for the last two years. And so the grass is growing well, um, but the, the bumps are still there. You know, those right. roots from those large tractors. Sure. So, okay, what I would do if you can do this, I would not use anything heavy from the paving company because what they're using uh, is very um, much designed to make a flat road or driveway with a very heavy machinery. It's It will annihilate not only the turf you've got growing now, but the roots of the turf, but it'll also... Um, destroy the structure of the soil so no i would not go that route what i would do is i'm not sure in your area but there's got to be some turf installation company and they use something called the harley rake when they level soil now that's before the seed goes down usually and it's it's on treads number one so you don't have the big ruts from the wheels they're very wide and low to the ground machines and they pick up rocks and they, they it's a, a rake that turns on rollers. So it kind of, it rolls across your lawn, it, it picks up and sort of spits the rocks to the edge, you know, small rocks, et cetera, not big stuff, and levels everything. So if you're at a point now where you've planted a bunch of turf, you've got some big ruts, what I would do, and I know this is a lot of work, is I'd be filling the ruts with more soil, getting in more truckloads, and just start filling those ruts. Because the more you roll it, the more you com compact it. And compacted soil will never grow healthy plants for very long. Okay. Well, hmm. I got an answer. <clears throat> okay. It's not a great answer. You probably didn't want to hear that answer, but, but yeah, I hear you on the ruts. 
But see if you can find a turf company that they might even be able to come in and give a, give a suggestion because they all have machinery that is designed to go out on turf to do what you need and not do a lot of compaction. All right. I'll try that. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for calling, Peter. Yeah, thanks, Peter. That's a, that is a tricky situation, isn't it? With all those, I, I know the ruts he's talking about, yeah. Well, and he's trying to do it himself, right? Yeah. And sometimes you need specialized equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's how many times have I told people, call a certified arborist, right? They're trying to take down a, something themselves or clean up or prune or whatever. And sometimes you need the right person with the right equipment to do it right, just for the long term. We can do lots of things ourselves in the short term, but if you want a real long-term solution to a problem, think about the right equipment and the right professionals. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that's a, uh, yeah, I, uh, we had a scrape in our lawn from the snow plows this year and it's amazing. They just come, came up on the lawn and took a big piece out and uh, it was amazing how much dirt that I had to uh, bring in to patch it up. And so I can't even imagine the, the job that he's talking about. Well, yeah, and it's amazing, like you say that, the snowplow here that was coming so close, we don't have fancy lawn down to the the road, but we have driveways down, and everybody was panicking because the snowplow, they were were worried, was going to just take out chunks of their driveway. So everybody's out buying orange cones to stick them on their drive. Because when the snow fell, like, where's the ditch, right? Where's the road? So the snowplow operator was to let that person know, here's where my driveway is. Don't run over my driveway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's go to the western uh, side of our province. We're going to Chatham, and we have uh, Jean on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Jean. Thank you, and good morning. Morning. I have I have an Aphrodite, a sweet shrub, and I'm just I'm just wondering when I should um, when I should uh, prune it. Sweet shrub. Okay, so I wonder if it's called summer sweet. Let me just double check uh, the proper name of that plant. Um, Aphrodite is the cultivar name, I think. Uh, no, it's not. And how are things down there in Chatham, Jean? Beautiful, sunshiny day. Nice. No, no wind. Looks good. Apparently, uh, Charlie in Prince Edward County, they have uh, the market cornered on wind. Apparently, they're the, <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones that get it all. They're hogging it all to themselves. <laughs> yesterday. So, you know what? That sounds really nice, what you have. You were right. It's not summer sweet. It is sweet shrub. It's a calicanthus is the proper name of the plant. It is a proven winner. So is it flowering? Just trying to look at when it flowers. Uh, spring, summer. It, uh, it it was it was blooming in the in the summer, right? And, and with red flowers. And I, this year we got more flowers than what we had last year because I put some blooming stuff on. Yeah, good idea. So is it just getting too big? You want to kind of make it shape it up a bit? No, I just wondered if you should if it should be pruned. Yeah, with any flowering shrub, so that includes plants like a sweet shrub, uh, spirea, lilac, forsythia, anything that flowers, we do trim them for shape, for health, after they flower. So if it's finished flowering now, like you said, it bloomed in the summer, so if it's done blooming, then I would be pruning it now. Okay, and how far down should I go? 
Well, about, it wants to be a plant that is about five feet tall and five feet wide if you let it do its thing. So depending on how much space you're giving it, you know, sometimes we have a big enough garden, we can let plants be their 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 chosen size. But sometimes we squish them in and, and we want them to be half of their normal size. So you could prune fairly hard if you wish. Uh, never remove more than one third of the plant at a time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll try that. All Great. right. Thanks for your call. Okay. Thanks, Jean. And it seems to me that you, we we um, shy away from pruning if it's wet, right? Is that right? Do you want it to be sure. a dry day? Yeah. Dry day. Dry, sunny, windy. Yeah. Yeah, because remember, we're wounding plants when we prune them. So make sure your pruners are nice and sharp. It's a dry day because you're, you'll are you have faster healing with, with a clean cut on a dry day. Right. I mean, in the same way, when I think of what – that never occurred to me uh, before I started doing the show with you. But, I mean, if you have a cut on your finger and you keep it wet, it's not going to scab up, right? Yeah, exactly. And if you keep it dirty, it's going to get very infected. Right? Okay. So, so you, that's why we wash that cut after we make the cut, and we wrap it to protect it from, you know, outside dirt. Um, right. And you're right. Try to keep it dry. You don't wear the same Band-Aid for three weeks, you mm-hmm. know, showering every day. It'll just be a, a wet mess. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, the numbers again. Give us a call. We have uh, room on the lines. 416-360-0740. That's our Toronto number. And uh, our toll-free number, if you live outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Duncan is ready to uh, intercept your call there for us and uh, hand you over to us. Speaking of which, we are going to go to Trevor now, who is calling from Mississauga. Welcome to the Garden Show, Trevor. Hello, and a good morning uh, to one and all. Morning. Morning. Hello there, and uh, listen to you since you moved down uh, east there, and I, I it's a pleasure to hear you uh, that you're more and more settled in here. Um, what I've called about here is that uh, we've got uh, one of those hardy climate uh, hibiscus, uh, not one, not the tropical version, obviously, and that uh, from the garden center it bloomed profusely, which was really quite dramatic. Um, what they uh, they advised us is that we could transplant it into good quality soil uh, before uh, the soil gets too uh, cool. Um, I've got uh, the remnants of a big yellow bag of topsoil, and I've got some uh, a bag of uh, cow manure that uh, has been uh, been with me for uh, this past season. Um, they suggested using bone meal. I don't have that, but I have Miracle Grow. Can I use those uh, components for the transplant of the hibiscus um, uh, and enjoy it into next uh, season? All right, good questions. So, what you're calling hibiscus um, is uh, the proper name of a flowering shrub called Rose of Sharon. Just to clarify, because there are so many hibiscus out there. There's the the Rose of Sharon shrub. There's the tropical hibiscus, and there's also a perennial hibiscus that gets these massive big flowers that are flowering right now in people's gardens. So three hibiscus that are grown here in Southern Ontario uh, and yours being the same as Jean was asking about our first caller when she called in from Newmarket about the bunny rabbits. So you've bought this hibiscus. It's in a pot still, I assume, from the, the garden center? Yes, that's right. We that's right. We just put it in a, a nice clay pot to watch it uh, bloom here, and uh, they advise you know you get it, yeah. you get it into the ground in the next couple of weeks for sure. For yes. sure. 
Yeah, so for sure, you want to grab the nicer weather. So choose a location where it's a minimum of six hours of sun every day uh, for that plant to thrive. Give it space because it wants to be four or five feet wide. And if you let it, it'll go eight or ten feet tall. So just remember that kind of space for it. Your, Your garden soil that you got left over and your bag of manure is brilliant. I would definitely use both of those. When you dig the hole that you're going to plant into, you're going to dig out your existing soil. You're going to mix in a wheelbarrow some of your um, purchased soil, some of your manure. Uh, You're going to make a nice hole, the right sort of depth and width for your plant. You're going to get the plant out of the pot. Look for um, very root-bound roots. They tend to be plants that have a lot of root. So if it's a real mess of of roots inside that pot, get out a sharp knife, slice the roots on the outside of the the ball, the root ball, uh, slicing diagonally into the root ball about half an inch, quarter of an inch all the way around, uh, into the ground, planting at the same depth it is now, nice soil all around, good thorough watering. The reason they recommended bone meal is because bone meal is ground up bones from the abattoir and it is pretty much pure phosphorus. And of course, phosphorus will encourage root growth. And we plant a new plant, we always want roots. That's the first thing we want. So you can purchase bone meal. And if you do, then you would drop a handful or two into the planting hole before you put the plant into the hole or or not. It's up to you. You probably don't need bone meal, but I I have certainly used it a lot in my planting. You can also use a synthetic root promoter. Um, There's a bunch of them out there. I'm trying to think of their names. Their names like, um, you know, transplant or fertilizer. They'll have a high middle number, like a 5-15-5 or a 10-52-10. So high phosphorus to encourage roots. Do not use the miracle Grow. The miracle Grow you will use next year, next spring and or summer. But when you're first planting, no fancy fertilizers, just good quality soil. So good quality soil. And now I, uh, I X'd off uh, on my notes here not to use the miracle Grow. Use that next spring and go and, uh, go and get a, a little uh, b- a bag of uh, bone meal uh, for, with it. And the, the, the bag of cow manure, I can spread there t- together with the, uh, the bag of topsoil, the big yellow bag of topsoil. Uh, and once again, the, as far as digging this hole, uh, make it a good uh, foot square at least to be able to uh, accommodate uh, planting the, uh, uh, transplanting the hibiscus, eh? Yeah, exactly. The hole is going to be uh, preferably about the same depth as the pot is now, but okay, two to three times wider than the pot because the roots will go sideways more than they will go down. So you're going to really excavate a wide hole. You don't really need a deep hole. And this thing will grow uh, once we get into the uh, into the ground. It's uh, It's going to... It's going to be a good size. You will be very, very proud. It will do very well. Uh huh. My wife and we will, will be proud of you, Trevor. <laughs> there okay. You go. Well, this thanks is uh, for calling. Yeah, thanks for calling. We just uh, we have to run to our break, Trevor. But uh, yeah, keep us posted on your hibiscus. I have high hopes. I uh, I love hibiscus. They're great. Yeah, they, they can be, unless they refuse to flower. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have to take uh, a bit of a pause. Uh, we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. 
Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Uh, welcome back to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. Charlie, very quickly, do you have a favorite type of manure? Because we, Trevor was talking about manure. Is there a favorite type or, or you know, is one crappier than the other? <laughs> well, you know what? I think most of it kind of should just come down to what you have access to. Okay. Right? If you keep chickens, then you've got chicken manure right yeah. there in your yard, right? Uh, now, no manure is used fresh. All manures have to age okay. uh, over winter, preferably out in the weather. Uh, most commonly, if you're buying manure, you're buying either sheep or cattle. People often will have a preference they are virtually identical because remember their digestive systems are very similar the yep. way and their food is also very similar what they eat how they digest so what their poop comes out as is very similar as well technically sheep manure is slightly more nutrient rich than cattle manure so if you they're both the same price and you're looking at them buy the sheep manure over the cattle manure but honestly work with what you've got hey if we lived in nova scotia we'd be putting seaweed in our gardens so, sure you know okay. it's what you've got and so very quickly we have a guinea pig i'm being very serious here can i yeah. throw the guinea pig can i throw that on the garden For, absolutely when you clean the cage yeah. sure either into the composter which is better because better. it's going to be mixed or yeah spread in the garden Fabulous. Now, absolutely. Oswald all of a sudden has more value to the household. So, <laughs> he's got a job. <laughs> he's got a job. Okay, let's go to our next caller. We have Pauline on the line calling from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Pauline. Thank you. I'm calling about a, a white bleeding heart that I purchased in about mid-June on sale. And um, I wasn't going to plant it in July because it's too hot. And the chances of surviving with that kind of heat sometimes doesn't work. So I'm ready to do it, but it, the plant has disappeared. And I have red and uh, pink bleeding hearts, and I know sometimes they disappear and they come back in the spring. Should yeah. I plant this white disappeared ble <laughs> bleeding heart? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, okay, so bleeding hearts, you're absolutely right. They can act like an ephemeral. So ephemeral plants come up in the spring, bloom in the spring, put on a great show, and then disappear uh, once they're finished blooming. Bleeding heart will stay uh, above ground uh, growing, usually if it's in part sun, part shade. If it's in full sun or full shade, it's more likely to disappear for the summer, I find. So um, I'm not sure where you've had the pot, but the plant is still in there. If I were you, I would. you have a chosen spot, I would get it in the ground, why not? Uh, when you tip the pot over, if you gently with your fingers go through that soil, you're gonna find a root in there. And that root should be firm, it should not be mush. You can smell the soil, it should smell healthy and fresh like real soil, not like a swamp. Uh, and you'll know that you're planting something that's alive, but dormant. If you're um, worried, you're thinking, well, I'm not really sure if it's gonna work, then just leave it in the pot, don't take it out of the pot, and plant the pot for the winter. In the spring, 
if it's in there and it's alive, it will grow out of the pot, out of your garden, and you'll know for sure uh, that it's alive and it's in there. And at that point, you can dig up the pot and plant it in its final location. So whatever works for you, but um, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's quite plantable. So my question is, I'm more likely to plant it now. Should I give it transplant fertilizer for the roots? Yeah, you can. Uh, just follow the instructions. Give it one dose uh, oh. as per instructions on the package. Because remember, if it is dormant, uh, you're not going to see a lot of growth. But okay. by putting that transplant fertilizer around the roots, that makes it more available for when the plant does start to grow. So okay, theoretically, what, what is still in the, the soil solution, the, the water around the roots, next spring, we'll have some of that extra little pop of phosphorus to get those roots growing right away. Thank you okay. so much. Th I appreciate thank you, Pauline. It. Good luck. And you make sure you, uh, just, you get back to us in the spring. Okay. You want to see pictures. Send yeah, pictures. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go to Maureen now quickly. Maureen is calling from North York, and we have a question about a tree, I think. Welcome to the Garden Show, Maureen. Thank you. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. I'm, calling about, I'm calling about a northern catalpa. Um, the city has planted it near my property, and it's grown really well. It's, it's about almost seven, eight feet tall. But I've noticed that three of the leaves have got holes in it. And I'm worried something is eating it, and uh, is there anything I can do? <clears throat> okay, so Maureen, don't worry. A uh, couple things. Probably Japanese beetles are poking holes in the leaves or something else. Northern catalpa is a native tree. It's very tough. It's very fast-growing. Uh, and at this time of year, when we have a few not-so-great-looking leaves, it's just like, whatever it's the middle of august those leaves are going to drop in the next month anyway we had all new ones next spring so don't be overly concerned about you know pockmarked leaves at this time of year uh um in the meantime if it's a city as you said city planted so on city property but if it's adjacent to your property then good for you for keeping an eye on it making sure that it you know it's it's in good condition it's not being you know whipper snipped uh, the you know the bark isn't getting knocked off um people walking down the sidewalk aren't hanging from the branches i mean these things happen um and you'll keep an eye next year next spring there could be some dead wood you'll trim that out and like i said you're going to get all new leaves so yeah i wouldn't be at all concerned no i'm taking very good care of it i even give it a hug every once in a while because i because it's right like my property, my lawn ends, the sidewalk, and there is there. And when we don't get a, if we get a week without water, I, I water it like you told me to do last year, you know, with the mm -hmm. bucket and just pouring it in slowly. No, I love that tree and I love the flowers it got in June. They were so fragrant and lovely. No, yeah. that's why I was a little concerned because I, <laughs> I have been definitely keeping an eye on it and I can see it from my kitchen window. So I love it. That's, no, that's great. I love you for doing that because. Uh, I have seen so many situations where the city, different cities, uh, get on a roll planting trees, particularly with the ash trees uh, being annihilated by the boars. There's a whole bunch of planting going on and people are oblivious that a tree just got planted off the front of their sidewalk, the front of their living room. And I'm like knocking on their door going, hey, did you notice the city planted a tree there? You have to water it. So, yeah, good for you. We have to go to a break, Maureen. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks so much, Maureen. Okay. We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show.
This is Zuma Radio Toronto. CFZM FM and CFZM AM. Owned and operated by MZ Media Incorporated. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zuma Radio. Okay, Charlie, you and I have our work cut out for us. We have three callers on the line. We have about five minutes. Let's go to Len, uh, who's calling from Barry. Welcome to the Garden Show, Len. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Dean. Hey. Yes, I'm calling about boxwood uh-huh. and BTB. When should I use it? BTK. BTK, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so, uh, well, twice a year on your boxwood to treat the boxwood tree moth twice a year you're going to use btk uh once in late may though in berry it might be early june because you're going to watch you're going to look for the insect and again in late july or early august and again you're going to be watching for the insect what's it look like it's a little tiny caterpillar, and it gets bigger and bigger as it eats your boxwood leaves. It tends to be on the inside of the plant. Uh, leaves disappear, webbing appears, and poop appears, also known as frass. So yeah. the inside of the boxwood becomes a dog's breakfast. Dean can use that on his garden. What the guinea pig? <laughs> there you yes. go, and you can use that on the garden. Yeah, you can, but I wouldn't because you really want to kill these insects. You don't want them to be alive to be pooping all over oh, the place. I have a lot of boxwoods. Yeah, do and, you? Well, you know, yeah. you get. Have you seen damage from the the insect? Well, I've seen brown leaves, but I don't know whether it's from my trimming with a electric trimmer or what. Well, you know what? Get down on your, you know, get a little um, knee pad. Get down on your hands and knees yeah. and go along mm-hmm. and look closely oh, spread the branches apart a little bit look on the inside okay if you can see living insects which you might be able to do where you are then all you're doing is you're looking for a day where there's no rain in the forecast for at least 24 hours and mm-hmm. and then you're going to mix up the btk you're going to spray it the way btk works is you you spray it on the leaves and it's bacteria mm-hmm. The insects are happily eating the leaves, and they eat the bacteria, and they die. So Good. you have to, you're wasting the BTK if there's no insects there. So you've got to look and see if there's any any on the plant. But okay, Charlie. For sure, this is this is a Thank big you. deal. You have to do this and, for uh, next, the rest of I your hear life. You promoting, <laughs> thanks uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for the call, Len. Okay, let's go to June. June is calling from Toronto, and June is a first time caller. Welcome to the Garden Show, June. Thank you. Hey, I'm going to, there are your well-earned garden wings. We love first-time call. Well, we love all our callers, but thank you for being a first-time caller, June. Okay, thanks. Um, So I have this big leaf hydrangea, and it's got gorgeous, huge, big green leaves. And for two years now, it's never bloomed, and I'm sad because I'm assuming that if you have big leaves, you're going to get big blooms. I have others that are blooming. Is this a plant that you bought and planted yourself? Well, actually, my neighbor uh, didn't want it anymore, so she threw it out, and she said, do you want this? And I said, sure, but I thought it would bloom. Did it bloom at her house? I have no clue. Yeah, so that's so often when like, me throwing away the Rosa Sharon, it's because it wasn't blooming. So there are hydrangeas and there are hydrangeas. 
The older yeah. varieties often will give us lots of leaves and not a lot of blooms because they bloom on last year's wood. And when the spring, when we trim them down, we take away all that wood and then new wood grows and we don't get blooms. And a variety called Endless Summer, very popular, bit sporadic in its blooming. Do you, have you pruned this plant at all? Uh, no, well, I did a little bit last year. I was afraid because I didn't, you know, didn't know what was the matter with it. All right. Well, quickly, here's my suggestion. Leave it alone for the, for now. Next spring, when you start to see growth, little green leaves, little green buds, get out your pruners, cut the, the whole plant down to about 10 centimeters or 15 centimeters tall. Just cut it all out, compost all that, and see what happens. It may bloom. It may not. No guarantees. But thanks so much for calling. Hydrangeas can be very frustrating. Oh, so, <laughs> but they're so beautiful. Yes, but they, yeah, yeah. And there's many different kinds. So we can talk more about different hydrangeas, but we have to go now. Show's yeah. over. Show's the over, yeah. Uh, revving their engines, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, very quickly, for people who are, is this the time of year I should be bringing in my tropical plants from outside? Not yet. We'll talk no. about tropicals next week, but you're okay. right. You have to be thinking about those. Okay. For now, get them into a little less sun to start the process of bringing them in. How's that? Okay. Oh, say so I can start the process that way. Okay. For sure. We call that reverse. Uh, would you reverse the hardening off, right? You're going the other way. Yes. Uh, thanks, Dean. Thanks, Duncan. Thank you. Thanks, Ashima. Yeah. It's been a great show. Thanks to the great callers. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.